Hi, I'm Jason Nichols, and I'm on the left. And I'm Vince Colonnese, and I'm on the right. And, and if, if we, we can't, can't find, find common, common ground, ground in this world, world today, today, then we're all just travelers. Passing each other in an international airport. And this great American experiment will be relegated to the trash bin of history. So let's come together to debate without yelling. And, and let's, let's save, save this, this nation. nation. Omicron on the horizon and unmasked President Biden. Next on Vincent Jason, Save the Nation. But they're really criticizing science because I represent science. Cautious, make sure there's no travel to and from South Africa and six other countries. It is also a path that I'm choosing not to take at this moment. That we should not allow our fellow Americans to own and use weapons that were originally designed for battlefield use. Vincent Jason, Save the Nation is brought to you by Gold Coast. Everybody, welcome back to Vince and Jason Save the Nation. Hope you have plenty of Thanksgiving leftovers still sitting in your fridge, and you'll work your way through them this week. Uh, but in the meantime, we've got a bunch of clips to work through. Jason Nichols, what are we looking at today? So first of all, be careful. After Wednesday, don't eat leftovers unless you want to die. Okay, like <laughs> I think a lot of people. Life? Yeah, I, th- I think a lot of people like to like. Oh, I got leftovers. I got leftovers. I don't know if you ever saw that episode of The Simpsons when. Uh, when Homer had like a, a, a party sub and he took it home and he just wouldn't stop eating it. <laughs> you know, it was like weeks. He started getting the chills and he was still eating it. <laughs> um, we got enough public health issues uh, to deal with rather than having you get salmonella. Um, <laughs> but, you know, if you do, I don't know if Dr. Fauci would be the right person to call, but mm. Dr. Fauci certainly had some commentary. So let's let's take a look at what he had to say. Why do you feel so strongly uh, about that, about staying on the job when you become, I mean, you were personally, not just rhetorically, threatened your security, your safety, your family. Yeah. H- how did you deal with that? I dealt with it by focusing on what my job is. From the time that I went into medicine to the right now where I am at my age, my job has been totally focused on doing what I can with the talents and the influence I have to make scientific advances to protect the health of the American public. So anybody who spends lies and threatens and all that theater that goes on with some of the investigations and the congressional committees and the Rand Pauls and all that other nonsense, that's noise, Margaret. That's noise. I know what my job is. Senator Cruz told the attorney general you should be prosecuted. Yeah. (laughs) I have to laugh at that. (laughs) I should be prosecuted. What happened on January 6th, Senator? (laughs) Do you think that this is about making you a scapegoat to deflect from President Trump? Of course. You have to be asleep not to figure that one out. Well, there are a lot of Republican senators uh, taking aim at this. I mean, that's okay. I'm just going to do my job and I'm going to be saving lives and they're going to be lying. It seems another layer of danger to play politics around matters of life and death. Exactly. Exactly. And to me, that's, that's unbelievably bad because all I want to do is save people's lives. I mean, anybody who's looking at this carefully realizes that there's a distinct anti-science flavor to this. So if they get up and criticize science, nobody's going to know what they're talking about. 
But if they get up and really aim their bullets at Tony Fauci, well, people could recognize there's a person there. So it's easy to criticize. But they're really criticizing science because I represent science. That's dangerous. To me, that's more dangerous than the slings and the arrows that get thrown at me. And if you damage science, you are doing something very detrimental to society long after I leave. Okay, so Vince, what's your reaction to Dr. Fauci and uh, him addressing some of his critics and detractors? Uh, His arrogance has grown completely out of control, I think. Um, This whole thing that like, if you attack me, you're attacking science and you're gonna damage science. The whole thing is so preposterous. Also, he said that, you know, if you attack the science, people aren't gonna understand what you're talking about. So they're attacking me instead. And if, and I'm actually science, it's kind of this patronizing view that the public isn't capable of processing, uh, you know, what the science is around COVID. You know, Fauci himself, as we've talked about Jason many times, has admitted that he's deceived the public in order to get them to um, behave certain ways throughout the pandemic. So obviously at the beginning of the pandemic, He's indicating no masks uh, are necessary. He would later admit that the reason he was emphasizing that is because he wanted the masks preserved for healthcare workers. It's a very simple thing. Just tell the truth about that rather than suggesting that the mask doesn't have a benefit or actually hurts you. That was the position he took towards the beginning. Um, And then the the big one that really stands out to me is he told the New York Times that he was moving the goalposts on herd immunity. He said this in December of 2020 on what the herd immunity threshold would be um, because he said the public wasn't ready to hear his true thoughts yet. So he would look at public polling and then he would adjust the numbers that he would offer in terms of where we need to be to get to herd immunity. That's obviously deceptive, it's a lie. And so as a result, what you should do is just tell the truth. And for that reason and many others, in particular, the debate around gain of function research, which you and I have also discussed, he should be out of that job. Someone else should do it. Someone else who can can engender public confidence. I don't think this needs to be a partisan point, really. I just think that uh, they need to replace Fauci. I mean, if he's at the point now where he's saying that sitting United States senators should be prosecuted, he's a distraction to public health and should get out of that role. I don't know that he said that. That's not what he said. He said, in my understanding of the interview, was that Ted Cruz said that Fauci should be prosecuted. Mm-hmm. And he said, I just have to laugh at that. And then he said, what happened on January 6th, Senator? But that's not saying that anybody should be prosecuted. So I, I think that that's taking his words a little bit out of context. Um, again, the mask thing, uh, you and I have discussed that at length, but I, I think what uh, you know, I recall Fauci saying was early on in February, him being asked, do we need to wear masks? And he said, we don't need to wear masks yet. At that time, I think we had like 13 confirmed cases in the United States. And he was like, we don't need to do that yet. And then, you know, a few weeks later, everything shut down and we needed to wear masks. Mm -hmm. Um, Fauci, when you look at his record of what he's done uh, throughout his career, diseases that were formerly fatal. Uh, He is somebody who developed uh, treatments to make them no longer fatal diseases. I think that that is uh, very much a laudable thing and and something that he, I think, really devotes his career to or has devoted his career to is to to public health. 
Um, I think he is not accustomed to the, the political element of this. I think that there are a lot of scientists and I've spoken to quite a few who are alarmed by the politicization of COVID and of public health yes. in a way that, that we're not accustomed to. Um, and I think that Fauci is, is, you know, in that community of people that are like, I'm not a politician, I'm a scientist. Um, now, one of the things I think science, uh, or the public is learning is that science doesn't always have it right. You know what I mean? That's why you always need more science. That's why you need more studies to confirm things. Right. So uh, the idea that Fauci had everything correct or that Fauci set up this, you know, this perfect environment or that, you know, I know there's all this discussion about gain of function. Uh, we are where we are now. Um, but I would say that, you know, the idea that that science is infallible um, is, I think, a real problem. I, yes. You know, I've studied this for, you know, looking at my field, um, you know, 100 plus years ago, people were measuring people's skulls to try to confirm that certain races were smarter than others. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? We realize that that's ridiculous now. Um, thick skull, thick, you know, or big head, thick skull doesn't mean like more brain power. We realize <laughs> that now. I so, wish it did, given given the massive melon I've got on my head. <laughs> um, but, I, but honestly, let me just go back to the thing you just said, though. It's like, Science is not infallible. I, that's the point. I completely agree with you. Science is not infallible. It's a, it's a constant evolving and needs to be thoroughly tested field. So as a result, like I, the point is like that the government should be more forthcoming about what they know and what they don't. You've got a, the CDC, for instance, has something like 60,000 employees. They give you the most sparse and limited data you could possibly imagine. They don't, they don't inform the public fully yeah. on what's yeah. going on. Um, you've, you've got You've got Fauci here saying that if you attack him, you're attacking science. Come on, that's so silly and and well, it's egomaniacal. No, I, I think you're you're taking him a little bit out of context there as well. I think he's saying he is in the public's eye. Remember, he's the guy that gets pulled out representing the scientific community on on infectious diseases. He is the expert on infectious diseases. We've seen what you know the advances that have been made with HIV, and and he went from a villain. Uh, to particularly to the LGBT community to becoming a hero because of his work. He is a representative. He is probably the most recognizable scientist in the, in the country, at least, if not the world. Um, but this and I think, a, mm -hmm. go ahead. I'm, I'm sorry. I was just going to say, this guy's a political creature though. Uh, well, Jason. he's become one. He, no, he didn't, no, he didn't no, ask no, to be about. put out in, in, the, in the forefront. Most people didn't uh, know I don't who think, I don't think so. I think was. he has. I think he actually has relished the limelight. And here's why I say that. It's because like he's it's it's been his choice to do these television interviews and he's endlessly done them throughout both administrations over the over the course of this pandemic. This has been the Anthony Fauci show and he's 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 done he's posed for all these magazine covers. There's like documentaries that he's been a part of. The whole thing has been very much about um, how great Anthony Fauci is. Now 
here's why I say he's a political figure. He's been in this job for what, 30 something years. I mean, he's been 40 going on 40 years now. Yeah. Like he's, he's clearly learned how to navigate different administrations from different parties. He spent time sucking up to Trump during the Trump administration, trying to make sure that he could secure his position. And I remember talking to him early in the pandemic, I interviewed him uh, and the media had been saying that, Oh, look at all the facial expressions Fauci's making in these press conferences. When Trump speaks, he's clearly angry at Trump or he clearly disagrees. And I remember asking him at the time, I was like, what's the truth here? Are you, are you like genuinely uh, unhappy with Trump or is the media tr- overreading your facial expressions? Are they trying to create divisions where there aren't any? And he's like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They're trying to create divisions. He said, yeah, that's definitely happened. And so, and no, actually it ended up being, no, the, that was actually kind of a clear indication of where he was at the time. He was, he was, that was his tell. He was kind of letting on that he was unhappy with Trump. Um, but he's, he's a political creature. Which, so, which is, which was fair. I think and he was he was frustrated with Trump for making unscientific statements and kind of pressuring uh, both he and um, Doctor yeah Doctor Burks uh, to you know say things based on politics and and what was popular and uh, not necessarily. What they but does were it finding. become? But does but, it become okay to lie though, if it's political survival? If that's the point, like so, when he tells me, "Yeah, the media is just creating these divisions that aren't any," that was a lie. Well, no, so, I, I think his thing was he did not he did not have a partisan view of Trump or of Obama or of Bush or of Clinton. Like I think his his argument was you're misrepresenting what it is that we're telling you. We're having these meetings and then you go out on a podium with us standing behind you. Seemingly, of course, we're all in lockstep from, from that visual. And then you're saying something different than what it is that we're saying you and saying to you. And that's exactly what, what Dr. Burke said. So I think I could see his frustration. I could, you know, of course we can remember that one moment where he was just like, you know, just kind of like, oh my goodness, this isn't what we talked about. And I think that that gets frustrating for anybody. It would be like if we had like a production meeting and then we're like, yeah, 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 we're going to do it this way. And then I come out and I'm like, well, this is the Jason Nichols show. So here's how we're doing it. You know, you would be frustrated with that because yeah, that's so not th- what we talked about. I guess the point is, you're, are you, I imagine that you must have been uncomfortable at the time that Fauci wasn't actually speaking up in light of all of these things. And so if so if if he was upset and if he thought the science itself was being violated and that this was imperiling people, why wasn't he communicating that? But who was he supposed to again undermining the president of the United States at that particular time, particularly with the influence that the president of the United States has, um, I think would not have been good either if they're if they're just fighting, because then it becomes even more political. Now, the political nature of this could not be avoided. It was in an election year, you know what I mean? Uh, All these kinds of things were going on and we were uh, as politically divided as, you know, we had ever been in my lifetime. Yeah, I don't recall the country being as politically divided as we were in 2020 or even 2019, 2018. Um, We had reached new levels within my lifetime uh, that I can recall of political division um, and separation. So I I think 
he didn't want to get into that. And now I, I don't want to defend the CDC. I don't even want to defend NAI, NAIAD. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. I'm, I'm hoping I got that right. Or is it whatever? Uh, <laughs> his organization. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm not defending them. I think they've made lots of mistakes. Um, but I think the target that's been put on Fauci's back to say he, he should be prosecuted, I think is, is hyperbole, it's political hyperbole. And we know if there's anyone who's known for that, it's Ted Cruz. Um, and I think that that's pretty despicable. And I think when he's saying, you know, I represent science, to many people in America, he does. He does represent science. And I think, you know, he did a lot of those interviews because while he has no crit credibility with 50% of the country, 98% of the people who are watching this, who are the people like, I hate Nichols, I hate him because he's, I won't say it, but you know, he knows what it is. You know, the people that are watching this, they're, you know, they don't trust Fauci. They hate Fauci, whatever. But for the other 50% of the country, they want to hear what Fauci has to say. And they're looking to Fauci for leadership and advice. Okay, so let me, and they're not going to listen to Trump. They're not going to listen to Biden. Let, me take, to let me take this. Let me take this version of events then, sure. which I think you're basically right. I think if you looked at the, at the polling, it's probably a partisan split on trust in Fauci. Isn't that a sign that somebody different should be in that job? Like in a public health crisis, if you've got 50% of the public who's against you and you're like kind of the burning bush on all of these pandemic questions, shouldn't we have somebody different? Isn't he too toxic to continue in that role? So Vince, who do you think that could have been promoted or, or let's say Fauci gets removed from the position? I, I remember mm -hmm. in one interview, I believe it was on CNN, where Fauci, when he was working under President Trump said, I still have my job, I think, <laughs> you know, as of now. Let's say President Trump fired Fauci and replaced him with someone else. Who do you think, do you think there's anybody, unfortunately, and this, and this isn't a criticism of Trump, of Fauci, of anything at all. It's a commentary about the divisions within our country. Is there anybody who could have been hired by Trump who would have been trusted after the firing of Anthony Fauci? That that 50% who trusts Anthony Fauci, after him being, being fired for seemingly political reasons, do you think that there's someone that Trump could have brought in that that 50% that was listening to Fauci would have accepted? Is there anybody that Biden, if Biden got rid of Fauci tomorrow, is there anyone that the 98% of the people that hate Dr. Nichols that are watching this now would trust that Biden could hire? And that's not a commentary about left or right. That's just a commentary about the divisions, the political divisions, and how they've permeated just about every segment of our society in this country. It's a sad commentary. Mm -hmm. But I'm not sure that there's anybody. If you put, I don't know, name another famous scientist, physician, you know, nobody would, you know, you put, I don't know, Carson in there. Yeah. People well, would laugh him out of like, nobody would trust. Well, nobody on the left would trust him. Some people on the right wouldn't trust him. It's really too bad 
Doctor, I, I don't want to get into a giant Dr. Ben Carson tangent, but, but boy, the, I, I hate that what politics did to the image of Dr. Carson. Yeah, I, you I, and I, I both. I, th I thought that that was or a real. Both, I, I thought that that was a real betrayal of his successes in life, and and really, um, partisan politics was involved in attempts to really diminish him, which is really a tragedy because for years kids would read about his successes. Um, uh, in brain surgery as an inspiration. I was one of those kids. I, I read yeah. gifted hands as a kid. Yeah, um, I did too. so anyway, that's, that's, well, that's an aside. You, you and I can talk a little bit about that off air. There's, there's some things that I'll tell you and I'm, you know, I'm from the Baltimore area. Yeah. There's things I'll tell you, but I think you're, we would agree what partisan politics did there. But I think part of that is that Ben Carson entered partisan politics. Had he stayed out of it, he would have still had that same credibility. But instead, he started coming in and criticizing people and, and making partisan statements and running for partisan office. Sure. Then you are all then you've entered yourself into that world. Nobody dragged sure. you in. There's, Nobody there's, destroyed your legacy. You did that. You know what though? His legacy was instantly downplayed and ignored. It was like his legacy was subordinated to his public service ambitions and by the media. And I thought that was awful, actually. You know, you know, you just go back and look at the New York Times coverage of what it used to be in the 90s for Ben Carson and then for look sure. at it the moment he jumped into politics. It became disgraceful, actually. But that all of that aside, and, and I, you and I, I'm sure, have some different views on it. Um, I, I think to your core question of who could replace Dr. Fauci, who would have more trust, in my view, it would be literally anyone who didn't have a track record of deceiving the public as a doctor. Um, and so, and, and Fauci does have one. So if you, you may disagree on some of the, on the basics on like the masks and, and the evolving science and, and whether or not he has excuses for his shifting positions on that, he has no excuses for the herd immunity claim. He straight up said to the New York Times that he was relying on public polling and what the public was ready to hear before he shifted the numbers. He said, I could nudge it up a bit on what he actually thought the threshold should be for herd immunity. That's just deceptive. The stuff about, you know, obviously the gain of function stuff, I think is very important, especially if it played any hand in the creation of this pandemic. Um, that's, that's something that I'd like actually more thorough investigations to be done into. The lab leak theory seems like the most likely um, to a whole bunch of people within the scientific community who are, you know, who are, are well-versed on, on epidemiology. Um, you know, Fauci this weekend was still sticking with the idea that it may have come from a wet market in China, which is a position that the Chinese have be even rejected at this point. When he was asked by Margaret Brennan, hey, wait a second, haven't the Chinese rejected that? He, he kind of waffled a bit. He wasn't quite sure what they've said about the subject. But the reality is like, I, I agree with you. Partisan politics is going to, is going to, you're going to come in with sort of a benchmark, a bench line of distrust because Biden appointed that guy or somebody who works for Biden appointed that guy. But the truth is Fauci himself has become a household name for a lot of really bad reasons to a huge percentage of the country. And it's, and it's dependent. It's on his behavior, not Biden's. And I think anything would be an improvement over that. I just don't believe that if Biden hired someone else that he would automatically have you know, the trust of the American people, particularly the right. I, I just don't believe it. I think that those same people who hated Fauci, if this other guy comes along and says vaccines are good, 
masks work, you know, um, until we, we get out of the woods, which, you know, we, we're going to talk a little bit more about in some other uh, clips that we're going to watch. Yeah. I, I just, I just don't think that there's anybody because of our political environment um, that would have the, the American people's trust. And, and that's a real shame. Um, I think Dr. Fauci, for all of the mistakes that he's made, I think he has uh, the public trust, or excuse me, the public uh, health of our nation at heart. And, you know, I, you and I will agree that, he, that he's failed in some places. Um, and in terms of the origins of COVID, that's a long conversation, but one, one that the Chinese have to answer and the Chinese are refusing to let anybody in or let, give anybody access so they we can know exactly what happened. So that's, mm -hmm. that's really on the Chinese. Like, you know, there's nothing we can really say about that. Um, so let's move forward. Uh, you know, we mentioned President Biden and President Biden is, is in Nantucket right now. There's been, you know, some criticism. I don't get it, but, you know, spending, you know, adhering to your family traditions and, and going away, <laughs> you know, that's that's something that is pretty fundamentally American, I think. I guess. But, I mean, you don't have any yeah. problem with the fact that he's staying with like one of the richest private equity guys in the entire country for all of Thanksgiving. I realize yeah, I, I don't have a problem with that. I don't have a problem with Trump going and, and pooping in a gold toilet in Mar-a-Lago. Like, I don't have a problem with that. Like, if those are your friends or people you know, like, go spend time. And he's been going to Nantucket since the 70s with his family when his wife was alive. You know, I, I really don't have an issue. This, this is something, this is a 50-year tradition that he's followed since before, since back when his son was alive, back when his wife was alive. And now all of a sudden we're having some sort of issue with it. He went when he was vice president. I, I, you know, I think that this is much ado about nothing, but there is something that happened that we should take a look at. So let's take a look at this clip. You've already gotten my release. Yeah. I've decided yeah. that we're gonna be cautious, make sure there's no travel to and from South Africa and six other countries in that region. <clears throat> and um, except for American citizens who are able to come back. Uh, but uh, we don't know a lot about the variant except that it is a great concern. It seems to spread rapidly. And we're, I spent about a half hour this morning with my COVID team led by uh, Dr. Fauci. And so that was the decision we made. So do, why do not think what do you think about uh, President Biden and what he had to say. That was a, a, kind of an interesting moment. I don't understand the move. I've encountered this among other people too. It's not just Joe Biden, where you approach a group of people and in order for them to understand you clearly, you take your mask off. So like Biden, he's wearing the mask as he's walking down the streets of Nantucket with the Secret Service. But the second he approaches the press, like once you get to a group of people, he takes the mask off. Um. So my assumption, and I, and I could be wrong because yeah. the video doesn't show this. My assumption is that he was in a vehicle, you know, with the Secret Service. So he had his mask on. And like many of us, when we walk out of a vehicle, out of a building, we mm -hmm. have our masks on. And sometimes we forget to take it off. Um, then he, he approached the, the public or excuse me, the press. Uh -huh. And I'm assuming that they gave him six feet. It looked like he had a lot of space there. Maybe. Um, and I, then they're outdoors. <laughs> like You've been one of the biggest proponents of this, and you have been 100% correct in that 
outdoors, you don't necessarily need your mask. I'm, yeah, I'm so assuming I, that he was in a car or in a building with the Secret Service, and it, that's when he had the mask on. Okay, so I'll, I'll allow for maybe there's context I'm missing here, but here's what I'll tell you. As the video begins, you see the cars are kind of tracking alongside the side of the street as he's walking. They're rolling. The cars are rolling as he's walking. I believe, and he's holding an umbrella. I think he's just out for a walk with the Secret Service. Now, even if he is just getting out of the car, just the whole thing, the, all of them wearing masks. You're, you're right. It goes right to my point. They shouldn't be wearing masks outside. Plenty of space to breathe. The air circulation is great. Knock it off. But the point is, like, Biden walks up to the press, and that's when he sheds the mask off his face. And I'm like, I, I've had waiters do this. Like, I'm in restaurants. <laughs> they'll come up, and they'll be like, to share the specials, they'll take the masks off. And I was like, all right, well, whatever. You know, I don't mind. I'm not, I'm not the least bit offended. I don't care. They don't have to wear masks as far as I'm concerned. But um, it is amusing to me. I'm like, what, what's the point <laughs> if, if you're yeah. going to shed the mask when you arrive at the table? Um, and then he's talking about the travel restrictions that he just put in place on Friday. So there's this, there's a, a panic, at least on Friday, especially, there was a panic around the emergence of what they're referring to as the Omicron virus. Now they skipped a couple names, the World Health Organization, when they got to Omicron, <laughs> they skipped NU, which is new. They didn't want English speakers to be confused that it was the only quote new variant. So they skipped new, that's what WHO <laughs> said. Um, and then they also skipped the G variant XI because that's that would have been the next letter in the alphabet. The claim the claim by the World Health Organization is that they they didn't want to uh, uh, you know basically cast dispersions on anybody who happens to be named G. <laughs> and I'm sitting there like thinking who who could they be talking about? <laughs> who, who might that but involve? Is, isn't that isn't that pronounced Xi or is it or is that pronounced G in in the Greek alphabet as well? It's a good question. I, I'm going to rely on you for that. I, I, I don't know. You know, I'm, I'm not a fraternity guy, but <laughs> I think uh, XI in the Greek alphabet is not yes. pronounced G like it's a Chinese. But here's, here's what I'm thinking, though, as Biden does this. I really hope that this is much ado about nothing. And also, yeah, like the instant panic, like let's slow the hell down. Yeah. I mean, the markets, no, the markets dropped hard on Friday. And like, and people were freaking out that this variant was going to be a big deal. The South African people who shared this, the scientists, yeah. they were like, wait a second, why are you locking down travel to our country? All we did was assess this virus and say, well, this is what we've discovered. And this is what we get for information sharing. No, By the no, way, did we, did we tell you that hospitalizations haven't risen meaningfully in South Africa? Did we tell you that the people who we've, who have, we've found with this version of the virus have had very mild symptoms? So far, they said all of this over the weekend. The American news media reacted pretty hysterically to this. Yeah, and uh, should slow down. So I, I, I one hundred percent agree with that. Um, but there has been some good news from uh, people freaking out. Number one, uh, oil, crude oil, went down ten dollars uh, per barrel, and the reason, and which eventually they say by Christmas is going to make our prices at the pump go down, which is a good thing. Now, I'm not saying, you know, countries locking down is a good thing or anything like that, but it, it will have uh, some sort of re residual benefit that, you know, crude oil and OPEC that's been acting super gangster to try to, uh, you know, recoup <laughs> some of the profits they lost over 2020, you know, now they're having, you know, because it's supply and demand, if people don't want to go out or, or if 
you know, countries locked down and things like that, like, you know, they have mm -hmm. to drop the price of oil. And so that, of course, will affect us uh, positively here in the United States where oil prices are going up. Now, also, those of us who, who, who really like to play in the stock market, you know, prices go down, you can buy more. That's just a different uh, thing. I was telling people um, that Friday, as soon as it went down, I was like, oh my God. Oh yeah. I no, know, no. I know what's happening right now. This is a needless panic and it means you can get some discount stocks on Black Friday. Right. Absolutely. Um, but I also, you know, I think we have to err on the side of caution. You know, one of the good things that Trump says that he did, which isn't completely true, it's only partially true, is that he shut down travel from China um, as soon as they started hearing about you know, as soon, you know, what, did, what was it in, in February or whatever? Early January February. 31st. Right. So he shut down travel from China. And that was actually, a, you know, a good thing. Not completely true, because I know some people who actually travel from China. Well, American um, citizens were allowed. Do you mean outside of American citizens? Uh, well, no, these people are American citizens. But it's the same, by the way, is true of the South African travel ban. Uh, they're right. allowing American citizens to travel here. So, again, it is good. Uh, to shut down travel, to assess this, because we don't have a whole lot of science on Omicron. The one thing that we do know is what the scientists and the physicians in South Africa have observed, but there's no hard data on it. So, you know, there are some people who say, look, this looks like it's going to be mild. Most variants of a virus turn out being, turn out to be milder, even if they they evade some of the immunity Mm -hmm. that people have, they usually, as they, you know, mutate, they get milder. Um, and that's what appears to be happening here. But we don't have hard science on it. One of the things that I was reading from uh, one physician was that South Africa is not a good case to compare to the United States, because a larger portion of their country has already had COVID. It's and a larger, even larger portion of their country has had COVID twice. So their amounts uh, of immunity and antibodies and things that they have, the, the third time you're going to get COVID is probably not going to affect you in the same way. Right. So a lot of people there, he's saying, look, I know that that's the observation in, in South Africa, but it's a little different here in the United States. So we need to err on the side of caution. Hopefully, he, you know, that it is mild, but to be cautious about it is, is the smart thing to do. The other thing is, this is a little bit of the chickens coming home to roost in the sense that the, the wealthy nations like the United States have hoarded the vaccines. So this is where the anti-vax and the pro-vax uh, communities I don't know if we can call them communities, can actually come together and agree on something that has to do with vaccines. The anti-vax people, in my opinion, can easily say, look, uh, you guys hoarded all these vaccines from the rest of the world trying to get me to vaccinate when I'm not going to do it. Right. You know, so you're sitting here wasting these resources that you could have spread elsewhere. The pro-vax people can also say, Look, we could have protect our, protected ourselves better if you would share the vaccine in, with places that have low vaccination rates in the developing world. And then if you had done that, 
then you wouldn't have all these variants that pop up and actually put us in danger again. Mm -hmm. So I think both communities can find some common ground here right. that the wealthy nations, including the United States, have screwed up by not getting more of the world vaccinated uh, or at least spreading those resources to the rest yep. of the world. Now, it's yep. true that the, the African continent hadn't, hasn't had the numbers that other places have. I believe uh, about a quarter of South Africa is vaccinated, and that's more than some of the other parts of Africa. Yes. Um, but we also don't know because of the public health infrastructure in on you know the continent of Africa, particularly sub-Saharan Africa, we don't really know how many people are dying of, of COVID in, in Africa. And a lot of people probably don't go to hospitals uh, in certain parts of Africa uh, because of maybe the quality or maybe they believe mm -hmm. uh, that they can get over it. So there, we really don't have the most accurate numbers out of you know many nations in Africa. That's true. Uh, but probably but South young, Africa would probably be the best example mm -hmm. or Nigeria but, or some of the more but the big thing and we talked about it last week they're young and they're thin that's that's really those are advantages against COVID and and they uh, they live in a Africa warm climate is. so they're outdoors too mm -hmm. you know big they time. don't gather indoors the way we do big time now so having having spoken a little bit about Omicron and and the panic that's going on I will say this and I think you and I agree I'm going to quote a great COVID scholar Aaron Rodgers. Amen. And I'm going to say, <laughs> I'm kidding. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. <laughs> you know what I mean? We don't need to freak out. It's not the end of the world. I don't think that the government made the wrong decision in shutting down travel. But you and I, average citizen, we don't need to freak out, particularly if you're vaccinated and you're boosted or whatever. Yeah. Don't freak out. We'll have more Vincent Jason Save the Nation in one moment, but we just wanted to remind you that this podcast is brought to you by GoldCo. We got a new, we're getting into election season. And of course, we've got a new old face. Uh, and that is in Texas, of course, the gubernatorial race. And uh, Beto O'Rourke is running for governor of Texas. Mm -hmm. um, and it looks like, and uh, Richie's uh, doppelganger is not going to run. Uh, McConaughey. McConaughey. He ruled himself out. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> Did you watch that video seat. of him, by the way? Service is making the better choice for you and for me. Service is the investment we make in ourselves. So can we recognize that when we serve others, we actually serve ourselves and vice versa? Do we have the courage to help out more than we hurt? Can we expect to get what we earn more than what we think we deserve? Can we give ourselves more reasons to trust each other first instead of last? That's the leadership that we need. That's the investment in our states and our country that we need. That's the investment we need. As a simple kid born in the little town of Uvalde, Texas, it never occurred to me that I would one day be considered for political leadership. It's a humbling and inspiring path to ponder. It is also a path that I'm choosing not to take at this moment. What am I gonna do? I'm going to continue to work and invest the bounty I have by supporting entrepreneurs, businesses, and foundations that I believe are leaders. 
establishments that I believe are creating pathways for people to succeed in life. Organizations that have a mission to serve and build trust while also generating prosperity. That's the American dream. And politicians, well, the good ones can help us get to where we need to go, yeah. But let's be clear, they can't do anything for us unless we choose to do for ourselves. So to the leaders and the servants out there and the leader and servant in each one of us, cheers to you. Here's to the freedom to be you, the freedom to be me, and to our responsibility to be us. In the meantime, and all times, and until next time, just keep living. It's typical McConaughey. Like, he pretty much, I think he wrote a script, and so he's reading the script off of a screen as he's, like, saying why he's not running. But it takes forever to get to the point. The video is, like, way too long for him just to tell people that he's not running. And during <laughs> it, he keeps doing hand gestures that don't really match up with his words. Like, the hand gestures he's using to explain things. Like, it's very strange. The whole thing is like very, very Matthew McConaughey-esque. Was he like, oh, oh, <laughs> he, he, he had a Texas flag behind him and an American flag. Like he was doing it from inside of like the governor's mansion. It was amazing. <laughs> you know, he, uh, you know, that's like some sort of like trying to get his voice ready. That, that whole thing, like, was like something like an acting exercise that he did. Uh -huh. And they were like, no, Hey, do that. <laughs> you know, Do that again. I mean, and they just filmed it. I, does he do drugs, that guy? Do we know? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. He kind of um, seems like an ayahuasca guy. Like he's like, you know, he's doing transcendental meditation high on something. Like, you know, really tapping into the spirits. Hey, producers, if you're listening, book Matthew McConaughey. That would be <laughs> an amazing, amazing interview. I, I mean, because I'm not sure what he stood for. Like he was like a serious candidate and, and I, I don't, I don't know what he stood for. I just know I like him in the movies. Yeah. Um, All right. But, so you're saying, but Beto's running. Again. Right. Some people like Beto. Some people don't, but <laughs> Beto's uh, running. And he had some things to say about uh, the recent Rittenhouse verdict and about guns in our country. So let's, let's take a listen. Today, a Wisconsin jury acquitted Kyle Rittenhouse in his murder trial Rittenhouse claimed he acted in self-defense when he shot and killed two people and wounded a third in Kenosha, Wisconsin last year. What's your reaction to that verdict? I mean, this entire tragedy makes the case that we should not allow our fellow Americans to own and use weapons that were originally designed for battlefield use. That AR-15, that AK-47, has one single solitary purpose, and that is killing people as effectively, as efficiently, in as great a number, in as little time as possible. We saw that in Kenosha, we saw that in El Paso, Texas, where 23 people were murdered by someone with an AK-47 just in a matter of minutes. Th this is crazy, and we should not come to expect this as a matter of course in America. And the thing is, we don't have to. So here in Texas, where most of us, including myself, grew up learning how to use firearms responsibly. Let's bring that experience and knowledge to bear. Let's protect the Second Amendment. Let's also make sure that we protect one another by having common sense gun laws. I know that we can do it. I, I mean, I'm, you know, I think America is a great country that, you know, sort of a deadbeat skateboarder could have another shot in politics. Uh, I think it's wonderful. <laughs>
<laughs> I mean, he is kind of a deadbeat, right? I mean, what is oh, quick? What does Beto do for work? <laughs> oh, I, I thought you know. I guess when I think deadbeat, I think of somebody who doesn't take care of their family, and he's. Oh, okay, it's true. He does. I, I, I don't know if he takes care of his family. I have no idea what he does with his family. But that, I'm just obviously picking on him. Um, you know, it's. I do think it's funny that like he's kind of billed as like a former presidential candidate. That is true. But actually, the last political job he had was congressman in Texas. Right. Uh, and he, he he ran for Senate and lost to Ted Cruz. He ran for president, didn't make it through the primary. Um, now he's taking another run this time, another attempt at a statewide office uh, for governor of Texas. I don't think I don't know how that message flies. I mean, Beto O'Rourke is if you had to pick like a if you had to pick one issue that he's known for it's the one he was just talking about. His his whole thing is like, I want to take the guns away. He's He said during the presidential campaign, hell yes, I want to take away your AR-15. I mean, that, it doesn't get much more clear than that. And lastly, I'll say sort of his contempt for people using those weapons defensively uh, and to have them for any other reason other than to hunt humans, which is how he framed up both AK-47s and AR-15s. It's both... Um, I think it's it's patronizing to those gun owners and it's just flat wrong. There's plenty of people who own an AR-15 because one, it's it's low recoil. It's, it's, easy, it's an easy weapon to handle. And also people use it for things like varmint hunting and shooting coyotes. I mean, it's not, you, you have to basically have a, a caricature of, of firearms in your head in order to be cut, take the position that better or work does. So um, my, my understanding of what he said, and I'm not even necessarily agreeing with him, but I, 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 my understanding was he said the weapon was designed to kill people and for battlefield use. And uh, the design certainly of an AK-47, you know, the guy who, who created it, Kalashnikov, mm -hmm. he actually said that. And, and as a matter of fact, he had a lot of regrets about creating the, the AK-47 because you know, small arms have led to a lot of deaths, uh, you know, around the world. They're used in conflicts like in Africa in particular. Sure. Um, the AK-47 has, you know, been a cause of a, you know, or has been the weapon of choice for like warlords and, and things like that. And he had a lot of regrets about that. Um, you know me, I'm, I'm pretty solidly 2A and pro 2A. And you know, what I was expecting when our producer sent us that clip um, was for Beto to say something like, yeah, I want to come snatch all your guns. Not, hey, I'm pro-responsible gun ownership, um, which is kind of what he said. And I was like, I can't disagree with that. Um, now, I'm, I'm of the mind that it's not the gun you know what I mean? I think a lot of times, um, you know, people are like, oh, well, it's this type of gun. It's because you have an AR-15. And I'm like, would it make a difference if I had a shotgun? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I mean, as a matter the, of fact, the, shotgun, the, I could put a bigger hole in you. The pure um, numbers, the pure numbers on this, as you know, are that handguns kill way more people for sure. than an AR-15 does in any given year. In I fact, mean, they're, they're easier hands, to conceal. But people with like hands, people, fists kill more people in a given year than AR-15s do, than any long rifle. Yeah, so, I, I think it's about, I think the thing is, you know, going back to what, um, an old joke by Chris Rock, mm -hmm. where he said, we don't need gun control, we need bullet control. <laughs> and, 
You know, he's like, guns don't kill people. Bullets kill. Bullets are what are killing people. Um, so I, I think that there are some things that make sense to me. Um, I think you should be able to have an AR-15. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm against, you know, things, modifications, the bump stocks and things like that that make things fully automatic. But a semi-automatic AR-15, I think if you're hunting with it, it's not the best weapon to hunt with. I know people who do, and I'm like, bro, you're ruining the meat. <laughs> like, why are you doing it? But either way, I would say, um, you know, it's not the gun. What we need is to, if you're afraid about mass shootings, which I get it, a lot of these mass shootings have been done with AR-15s. What we need is to limit the capacity of a magazine so that you have to reload. The difference between my shotgun and an AR-15 is that I can't blast off, you know, I can't get a drum, you know, a 50 round drum and attach it, you know, and, and, you know, blast off 50 shots uninterrupted without reloading, you know? Um, But what if you wanted to use, but what if you wanted to use that, that handgun defensively or that, or that AR-15 defensively? Like, why should you be limited on the number of bullets you can put into that magazine? Who are you defending yourself against that you need a 50 round drum? Like, you should be able to call the police, you know, by then. Probably depends on where you live in the country and if cops are nearby anyway. But I mean, like, think about, you know, in Sutherland Springs, remember the shooting at that church in Sutherland Springs? The the guy who attacked the church had an AR-15. The guy who defended the church, guess what? AR-15. He was a an NRA instructor happened to be across the street from the church as the shooting was going down. Uh, and and For thank sure. goodness was able oh. to prevent a, a greater massacre. So I don't know. I mean, let, let me the, the prejudice. I'll, I'll let you answer at length. The, the, uh, my only point is that the prejudice in these conversations is often towards this idea that the guns are only going to be used for horrific things rather than for um, well-earned self-defense and mm-hmm. and the ability to, you know, like I, I just think that like these limits that are that uh, get placed. Like for instance, a lot of states tr- they try to ban pistol grips, things like that. Stuff that makes the guns more accurate. Why would you want guns to be more inaccurate? I think it's a, it's kind of a foolish approach to um, regulating guns that basically just prejudges that guns are only going to be used for illicit purposes. So again. Um... You and I agree on this issue. Like we're 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 not in disagreement. Right. You know, banning a pistol grip. You know, I, I don't. Maybe there's there's an argument for that that I'm not aware of, but I don't really see a reason to ban a pistol grip. Um, and I like I said, you know, while I'm sure there's somebody, you know, like you ever seen the thing with Kermit the Frog on the uh, on the typewriter? You know. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's somebody right now in the comments right now out of the 12 people who's like, Nichols, <laughs> you know, but in reality, I'm, I'm 100% with you. It's not the gun. Um, I think, honestly, if you've got people coming at you um, and you need some huge capacity, even 16 rounds, and or either you need to practice with your weapon you know, I think there's a lot of people, I know people who have weapons that don't train with their weapon, which I think are just as dangerous as, you know, criminals well, let's on do, the street. Let's do a count. Um, let's do a count on Rittenhouse. Think about this. Rittenhouse shoots Joseph Rosenbaum, right? That's four shots. He shoots him four times, as, as far as I recall. 
Sure. Then he runs down the street again. He has not changed magazines. Same magazine. He's got uh, another um, another two shots at Jump Kick Man. He missed in both cases. Then there was one shot into Gage Grosskreutz's arm, and then there was, I believe, one shot into um, into Anthony Huber. That's eight right there. Eight and shots, right? And so, if you limit the capacity of a magazine from sixteen to tw- to ten, he still got off all those shots, and he has two to spare. You know, so to me, you you know, and again, that's a that's a situation where he brought a weapon to a riot. You know what I mean? And he didn't, he didn't deserve that attack, though. Yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not saying he deserved the attack, but I'm saying it. it you know, it, it was. I don't want to relitigate that situation. You okay. Know? Um, but in most cases, most people with weapons are trying to protect their home. They're not mm-hmm. going out into other communities that they don't live in with a weapon. They're going, they want to protect their homes. And that's where you're going to, most people who are going to have an AR-15, they're protecting their home. You mentioned people in rural areas, maybe they're protecting their farm or their farm animals. They're not people who are walking down the streets of an urban area with an AR-15, you know, because they think they're the cops. That's, that's a different situation. Um, and I think that you should be able to protect your home with your AR-15, I don't know if you're not going on the offensive, why you would need high capacity magazines. You know, it, I mean, unless, I don't see like 50 people trying to rush up in your crib. Like that, that just, I don't know in many cases where that happens. Um, you know, so I, I would say, and, and if you need that kind of backup where you, you know, you should probably call the police. Um, your weapon is for that person who breaks into your house, you give them a verbal warning, and then you might have to shoot at them. Um, why you would need, you know, a 75 round drum. I don't, I don't, I don't get it. I don't Most have enough experience with these drums. I, I think they, they tend to jam a little bit more too. I don't know if they're quite as efficient. Well, those extended on the pistol, those extendo clips, uh-huh. that's just waiting for your gun to jam like have you seen the, those like have you seen those really long yeah yeah you know clips that people put in there like those always jam not easy to wield a magazine that big yeah but you know that's that's been something that's been real popular in like you know you hear these rappers talking about them and i'm like that's just gonna jam up your gun <laughs> you know <laughs> somebody's gonna shoot at you and you're gonna be like damn it <laughs> um but I would say, like, you know, being able to protect your home, I think, is a fundamental right. I yeah. think you should be able to protect your home mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for your personal protection. If you're somebody who gets threats, um, maybe you should be able to carry and conceal. Not even maybe. Yes. If you're somebody who is who is under threat. Um, There's a case right now before the court. I know you're not going to end up talking about it, but it's like the idea of whether or not New York is able to make it so that you have to have a, quote, good reason to conceal the carry. Uh, in New York City, uh, which has always been an insider's game. Like if you were to carry in New York City, the only way you could do that is if you knew somebody high up in government or were super rich and famous to begin with. Other than that, like normal people, no chance. You weren't getting concealed carry in New York. Um, And so it's going before the Supreme Court now. They're like, wait a second, let's take a look at this. Uh, And, you know, do you have a right to defend yourself in a public place? So the court's going to be taking that on. It's expensive too, I think. 
to get a concealed carry. They make it so that only rich people, only only yeah. rich and connected people can do in, it. In New York, it, in New York, it's expensive. DC to me, it's not worth it to be honest with you, um, because thirty percent of DC is federal land, and you can't carry on federal land. And then on top of that, you know, you got restaurants and bars you can't carry in there. Like it doesn't make DC like fifty percent of DC you can't carry in. Mm-hmm. So carrying in DC doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Um, but other places, you know. Okay, but let me. But let me just ask this core question, just to go back to the video here. Beto O'Rourke, if you were advising him, would you tell him that he should stick with his line on guns, running for Texas governor specifically, or should he drop that issue? I wouldn't tell him to drop the issue because that looks cowardly. You know, I mean, but de-emphasize I, it? I, I would say that stick with issues that Texans are more concerned about. And I think Texans are not necessarily concerned about guns or gun control. He is right. I understand that. And, and I believe him 100% that what happened in El Paso hit him in the heart. That really, I think, affected Beto. You saw him completely change after that Walmart got shot up by that, you mm-hmm. know, that pro-Trump terrorist guy um, in, in, uh, in Texas. And I think that that really, really shook him. Um, but what I would say is that's not the number one issue for Texans, you know, speak to the issues that Texans are concerned about. Are Texans able to put their, put food on their tables? You know what I mean? If you have an answer for the border crisis, lean in on that. If you have an answer for some of those kinds of issues, you know, lean in on those issues that all Texans are going to hear you out and be like, yeah, I'm having trouble putting food on my table right now. Yeah. I'm, I'm having trouble, you know, with my, with my small business, you know, yeah, I'm having trouble, you know, getting a job. Mm-hmm. And I would, you know, talk about how Greg Abbott has been fighting culture wars rather than fighting for the people of Texas. So I think there are issues. And if you want to rally the, the, the liberal base, then you, you lean in on issues like voting rights and things like that, that liberals are, are concerned with. And then you, mm-hmm. you have your populist issues. Um, I don't think guns are, are an issue that people are concerned about in Texas, even, even liberals in Texas. So I, I would certainly agree with you that he probably should not make that his primary issue right. and give you know, all these right-wing publications a headline. He needs to focus on what it is that Texans are concerned about across the board. He should run on getting control of the border. He'd win in a landslide. Yeah, no, if if he has, if he has an answer for that, which I don't, but if he has an answer for that, Hey, I bet you that that would work. Be like, Hey, Abbott's not doing it. This is what I would do. This is how I would work with the administration, whether it's Biden or Trump or Mm -hmm. whomever. And this is how we could get this under control in a, good humane way that benefits texans and doesn't hurt immigrants i think that you know he would win if he could do that um i don't know what that answer is but that's 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 a winning issue i agree well he's running uh and and matthew mcconaughey's not uh jason nichols great to talk to you as always uh let's do it again soon absolutely all right and you can like subscribe comment and share on facebook and as as well as youtube 
uh, to get this content in front of more people and make sure to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't done that yet. It's Vincent Jason, Save the Nation. Until next time, thank you so much.